0: you'll probably never meet Marshall Brown. Marshall Brown was in our worship band in LaGrange, Georgia, and Marshall was kind of like a prodigy. Uh, he didn't know a lick of music, uh, but all he had to do was listen to a song once, and he could play it on multiple instruments. Right? It's pretty crazy. And our, our worship leader, Andy, is like that as well. And to be honest with you, it's pretty annoying. I, I don't like that. I think it's... Not fair that they're allowed to do that. I play the guitar, uh, but I, pra- I play it very poorly, and I have to look at the music all of the time, and it's just not fair. It's not fair. But Marshall was like this. But there's something a little bit quirky and weird about Marshall. There's a lot weird about Marshall. He's a great guy, and if he sees this later on, he'll, he'll know that I'm joking with him. But uh, the one thing that was crazy is about 40% of the time that he led us in worship, He'd be playing, you know, what a beautiful name it is. And then it'd be pew, and a guitar string would break about 40% of the time. And we'd be all into worship, and it'd be great. And then pew, and then everybody was like, what was that? What's going on? It was weird. About 40% of the time, he broke a string. Well, there was a church member that came in during a, uh, the weekday, and he came and brought something for Marshall. And uh, he, he asked to be let into the building, and he found Marshall's spot on the stage where he normally sets up, and he left him a gift there. And that next Sunday, Marshall came in, and he was greeted by a brand-new Takamini guitar. And Marshall was ecstatic. He had, you know, it was an okay guitar before, but this is like a high-end, amazing guitar. And as far as I know, Marshall still, to this day, has no idea who left him that huge act of love. And this is a rare occurrence in the world today, right? Someone wanted to do something big for someone without receiving recognition, without being given credit or gratitude or even acknowledgement in return. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's an amazing thing to see someone do something for someone and it not even expect to, hey, thanks, man. And P.S., Marshall still breaks guitar strings all the time. It didn't fix his problem. I don't know, he's cursed or something. But in the book Love Does, Bob Goff coins this term that we have up on the screen, secretly incredible. And what he means like this is just about stories like I just told you and, and people like that church member. He says, real heroes don't wear flashy capes. And then Bob Goff references Jesus. And how often Jesus told people to keep the miracles that he had done quiet. Jesus would raise a young girl from the dead and say, tell no one. And then he would heal a man with leprosy and say, tell no one. He would, he would give sight to a blind man and say, don't tell anyone. And that's so counterculture to where we are today. In a world that we live in of self-promotion... Jesus modeled something different for us, right? Jesus modeled something different. And Jesus was saying to them, instead of telling people about what you're doing all the time, there's a better way. Maybe Jesus wanted us to be secretly incredible instead. And here's a quote from Bob Goff, what he said about that that phrase. He says, being secretly incredible goes against the trend That says to do anything incredible, you have to buy furniture and a laptop, start an organization, get a tax ID number, a tax exempt status, have a mission statement, and labor endlessly over a statement of faith too. But is all that really necessary. See, the truth is, is maybe the task would be even nobler if we didn't talk about it and we just did it instead. See, Jesus didn't post video clips of his sermon with a little personalized logo down there at the bottom. No, Jesus modeled instead that we don't need to talk about all the things that we have done. See, secretly incredible people keep what they do one of God's best-kept secrets. Because the only one who needs to know, the God of the universe, already knows And this is how God's reverse economy works, right? You know how it goes, that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. God loves the humble ones, and the humble ones often don't make it to a first-round draft pick or, or to the big promotion or to position, and it goes against everything that our culture says, that you need to network and you need to promote yourself. And a lot of us, if you have this thing called social media, you have a website on the internet about how awesome you are, right? That's what each of us do. And we promote. But Jesus said there's a different way. Have you ever had someone do something secretly incredible for you? Maybe they brought, uh, bought you a meal through the drive through they're a person in front of you and they said, hey, uh, I'll cover the cost. Or maybe they just left you an encouraging note. You don't even really know who it was from. There's something so pure about that kind of love. No strings attached. No way to even get a thank you. A simple, undefiled gesture of love. So the Bible tells us about many secretly incredible people. In fact, they're so secret that we don't even know their identities, we don't even know their names. All we know is what they did, not how to spell their name, what their middle name, what what their address was, just simple and pure acts of love. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series, some secretly incredible examples for us in the Bible. See, the writer Luke told us about some of these secretly incredible people in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, on one of those days, as he meaning Jesus, was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So let's just imagine this scene, right? Let's put ourselves into this story. Jesus is at center stage, and these religious elite, these rulers of the land, had come from all of the nearby cities, all the nearby communities, to come and see Jesus, in our eyes, this is a big deal, right? This is important. I've been recently to uh, some city council meetings and some uh, commission chambers, and you sit there and you hear these important people talk about big things, and there's this air of ritual and importance and procedure. See, Jesus' reputation had spread, and these leaders wanted to see what all the commotion was about. Well, verse 18 goes on and says, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Matthew calls them some people. Mark tells us that there were four of them. Who are these guys? I don't know. Some men. Some people. Nobodies. What are there, what are these no-name men up to? Well, they're carrying a man that was paralyzed. That's pretty nice, right? It's some kind of like ancient Uber system, or like, hey, you just pick people up and carry them somewhere else. It's pretty neat. They're transporting someone. That needed a little bit of help. That's very nice of them. Verse 18 goes on, though. It says, And they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus is is doing a big thing right now, right? Jesus is in the middle of this big speech to all these really, really important leaders. They they know Jesus is busy, right? You can't just barge in there, right? In fact, Mark tells us that uh, in Mark 2, 2, that they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left in this house that they were meeting in, not even outside the door. And he, Jesus, preached the word to them. Now, archaeologists tell us some of the biggest houses in that time could house about 50 people in a large room in the center of the house. But you couldn't even get inside the house. You couldn't even get near the door. There was no room left. Now, surely these men would just find some shady spot to lay this man's bed down. And maybe by chance, Jesus later on would walk by this paralyzed man and he could get to talk to Jesus, right? We'll just set him down over here uh, under this oak tree or something. And and hopefully, Jesus will come out later. Hey, we'll see you later, bud. Uh, Thank you so much. It's been great knowing you. Verse 19 says, But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed, through the tiles, into the midst, before Jesus. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. What are they doing? They're getting on top of the roof with this paralyzed man. I, I, I had never worked in a hospital, but I don't think that's the way you normally treat the patient, right? You don't take him up on the roof and say, hey, this is a good spot up here. They they take him up on the roof. And then, what are these guys up to? They tear the roof up. That's somebody's house. Why would you do that? You don't get up on my roof and tear up my shingles and say, I was just trying to get in. No, come on. These people, what are they doing? Clay and dirt are falling all, uh, falling all over those religious people on the inside, right? I'm sure their big white head coverings are getting ruined, and all these important people are looking at each other saying, what is the meaning of this, right? <laughs> Jesus is going to be mad at these guys. Jesus is, is, is in a very important place right now. He's right in the middle of this super important talk. And his disciples believed that he was the son of God. In fact, Jesus himself says he was the son of God. And you don't interrupt God when he's talking, right? I don't know a lot, but you don't say, hey, hey, God, uh, Jesus, I know you're up to something. Hey, God, I know you're up to something. But I got, I, got to just, I got to stop you right there. And then they lowered that paralyzed man into that crowded house. People would have had to make room and shove over. And, and probably some people had to leave, some important people. Verse 20 says, and when Jesus, he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, wait, Jesus wasn't frustrated at all. In fact, he looked pretty happy to see them. But then he goes on and says something even crazier. He says, he forgives this man of his sin. Well, what does that mean? All his lies, all his wicked thoughts, all his selfishness, the Pharisees are not going to like what Jesus just said. Verse 21 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them and said, Why do you question in your heart? Which is it easier to say, that your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? You see how red those religious leaders' faces are? They're accusing Jesus of blasphemy, and they won't be happy until Jesus is in jail. And then Jesus says this. I thought it was awesome. He says he's going to prove to them that he has the power to forgive by telling this man to rise up and walk. Verse 24. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. I say to you, rise Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately, he rose up before them. And he picked up what he'd been lying on and he went home glorifying God. That man was healed. I imagine he didn't just like walk down with his, his head down. I bet he's skipping down the road, dancing a little bit, getting a little bit weird because all of a sudden after years and years of not being able to even move or take care of himself, all of a sudden he is healed. Glorifying God might be a little bit of an understatement. Amazement seized them all and they glorified God. All of them did. And they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Now, obviously, Jesus is the main hero of this story. Forgiving sins, healing the paralyzed. But who are these four men? Who are these four men? Verse 20 says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, Your sins are forgiven of you. When Jesus saw the faith of these four men and the paralyzed man, when he saw their faith, their faith carried someone else along that was broken and couldn't get to Jesus on his own. Incredible, right? This is an incredible thing they did. It wasn't convenient to carry someone around town. I'm sure there were other things they could have been doing, important things, we don't know what they look like. We don't know what they did for a living. They didn't sign autographs after. They didn't get a gift card in the mail with a thank you note. They didn't even get their names in the Bible. All we know is that they brought one man to Jesus, and they had the faith that Jesus could do something for him. It's love and selflessness on display, and it is incredible. Now, we know that the paralytic man had faith when he finally laid before Jesus, but we don't know if he started out that way. I can imagine, and if you just imagine with me, that this man was probably pretty depressed. I can imagine that this man was probably pretty down on his life as a whole. Things were not going the way that he wished they would go. He would look around and see everyone else around him walking and carrying on with the family, with the job, and he's laying there unable to fulfill any dreams. And I don't, I don't know if he had faith in Jesus before these four men picked him up, but regardless, when four guys carry you all over town, up on the roof of the house, break through that roof so that they can get you close to this character Jesus, I think you begin to have faith that maybe this guy can do something for me. So the next time you search for credit or the thank you, what if we just stopped? We just thought about the example that Jesus left us. Don't tell anyone. I don't need a thank you. We just need to point people to Jesus because we have the faith that he can do something. So often I hear Christians use the excuse that I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't don't know all the answers. That's fine. You know the one that has the answers. You tell them what Jesus did for you, and you point them to Jesus. And you let your faith carry people to Jesus. Can you imagine a church in a community that was secretly incredible? A place where we did things for people instead of doing things for the thank you if we truly had love with no strings attached? What if we weren't really really just looking to make a point with everything we did or, or looking to push an agenda, but to be instead a conduit of the love of Christ so that it could flow through us? What will we see happen? We see what happened here when these four men were secretly incredible. A whole group of people left that day glorifying God and saying, that was extraordinary. Verse 24 says, amazement seized them all and they glorified God. They were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. See, when we are secretly incredible, God it's the glory instead of us what if we all just determined, like these four men to bring one to bring one to Jesus everybody hold up your finger this one the pointer one you gotta be very specific around here say this back to me bring one alright that's pretty good let's do it better bring one One more time real loud. Bring one. Bring one. That's the lesson of this story. Bring one. And these four men decided that nothing would stop them from bringing this broken one to Jesus, and something extraordinary happened. A man was Healed. Have you ever been to a party or a wedding and you got an invitation in the mail and you notice down there at the bottom that it said that you had a plus one? It's pretty cool, right? That means that not only are you invited, you can invite anyone else that you want. Not only are you allowed into the party, but you can bring someone else in. And when Jesus invited you into a relationship with him, he gave you plus ones. He said, not only are you invited, but I want you to go out and find some people to invite in as well. It's an amazing thing. Not only do we get access, but we can choose others to bring along with us. He gave you a plus one. He gave you the privilege to invite others as well. Now, it's more than just inviting people to church, although that might be part of it. No, it's a commitment to carry them with your faith till they have faith too. It's a commitment to carry them with your faith until they have faith too. And it's a choice that I'm going to knock down walls, tear up roofs to show them Jesus. And they might not have faith yet, but hey, I've got enough faith for the both of us. Let me carry you to this person named Jesus because I am convinced that he can do something for you. It's a choice to have Hard conversations. It might take enlisting other people in as well. You might not be able to get one person. You might not be able to drag them to Jesus. You get four people and say, hey, let's pray over this person. Hey, let's get a chance to talk to them about Jesus. It's a choice. It's probably not going to be just a two-minute gospel conversation. It's going to be late-night phone calls, praying with them when a loved one dies, saying, I don't know the answers to your problem, but I know the one who does. Because people are paralyzed all around us. All kinds of conditions. Paralyzed by shame and guilt. Paralyzed by fear and doubt. Paralyzed by addiction and obsession. Paralyzed by sin and death. And if you are here and you have accepted that invitation to become a follower of Jesus Christ then you have been given plus ones. And it's up to you now whether you use them. It all starts with the prayer. God, show me the one who needs you. It's not about you having such an amazing gospel presentation that they just cannot uh, ignore it. No, it's about you strategically Praying over the people in your life. Praying for the person that checks you out at Kroger. Pr- praying for the mailman that you get to talk to for just a minute every couple, couple days. It's praying, God, who do you want me to carry to you? Who do you want me to show my faith to? It's this commitment to bring one. One. It might not ever get you praise or accolades. No one might ever ask you to get up on a stage and accept some type of award for for bringing one to Jesus. He might not even get your name written in the history books. But the God of the universe knows. And these four men, they never became famous, but we're still talking about not who they are, but what they did. So be secretly incredible and bring one. Stand to our feet and bow our heads. I want you to start praying right now. I want you to start praying this prayer. God, who is my one? Who is my plus one? Who do you want me to, to begin to carry to you? No one's looking around. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed. If you're here today and you are a follower of Christ, you have the opportunity to invite others in as well. You've been given plus ones, and it's up to you whether you use them or not. I want you to begin to pray right now. God, who do you want me to bring to you? Show me those around me that are paralyzed, and they're stuck, and they're broken. God, who do you want me to show my faith to? Altar's open right now. If you want to come down here and pray, you feel God calling you to do that, you step out right now. If you'd rather pray in your, your seat, that's fine as well. But let's make this commitment to bring one, not just the church, but to Jesus.